Hi there, welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. Now this week is Mental Health Awareness Week and we've got a brilliant conversation lined up with Rosie Woodbridge on eating disorders in sport. Uh, eating disorders are disproportionately common in sport and can be hugely damaging to athletes' physical and mental health. So join Johnny and Rosie as they talk about Rosie's experience of battling an eating disorder as she progressed to the highest level in her sports of Ultimate Frisbee and the impact her faith had on this struggle. Rosie's experience is really helpful to learn from, whether this issue is close to your heart or you just want to spend some time thinking through uh, this difficult issue to be better informed. So let's join Johnny and Rosie now. Great, Rosie, welcome. It's great to chat with you. Um, firstly, tell us what does it mean for you to have your sport and your faith connected? Um, I guess sport is something that um, I see as a gift from God. So something which God enabled me to do and to play the gifts, talents, abilities and all that. Um, and something which he deeply cares about and that I can actually use to worship him as well. Um, and it can be a great opportunity to share something of the good news of Jesus as well. Great. Well, uh, tell us about your sport then. What's your what's your background? How did you maybe first get into sport? Tell us about that. Take us back to kind of, I imagine, a little girl who first got into sport. And then where did that end up taking you? Um, yeah, I think as a kid, I um, was mostly just active rather than anything else. Um, and then it was probably actually in my teenage years in secondary school that I um, got into running and started taking that a bit more seriously and did that for club and county as well. Um, and I fully intended to carry on doing that when I got to university. Um, however, I then stumbled across this minority sport called Ultimate Frisbee, um, which I thought was a bit of a joke. So did almost everyone I knew. Um, but then I discovered that people can actually take it quite seriously. Um, so I, I ended up getting into that at uni. And then I was one of those people who took it seriously um, and played for uni, then club and country later on down the line as well. Uh, unpack that a little bit for us then. What does it? What, what does the sort of ultimate frisbee scene look like when you're playing sort of the high levels of it? Then internationally, what did that look like for you? What, what, who are you playing against? What countries were you going to? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, so um, in the club scene, um, I guess like with other sports, you've got European Championships, you've got World Championships. Um, so actually, every year there was European Championships. So we'd go. Um, we normally qualified for that. So we'd go somewhere and play against other European teams. Every four years, there was a world championships and um, I got to do that twice. Um, and yeah, uh, the second time, sadly, was just in London. So um, that's where I lived. It wasn't particularly exotic to go to. But yeah, we played from countries around the world. Um, then there's also the international scene where you play for your country. Um, so it's for Great Britain. Um, I first played for them when I was under 23 so for the under 23 world championships and then in 2015 and 16 I was able to play for the senior women's team what is it um what do you need to make it as a frisbee player or what sort of for people listening in some people could be over in the states they may know a lot about frisbee but others may not like you say a bit of a minority sport in the UK what are sort of some of the attributes that the skills you really need to make it in frisbee yeah, just to be clear, like a lot of people understandably think it is just a few people like throwing a frisbee to each other. Um, it is a team sport, so it's seven aside. Um, you imagine you're on the size of a football pitch. People wow. say it's a cross between um, American football and netball. So like any sort of team sport, but the thing you're passing is a frisbee. So like with, I guess, other team sports, you need to be athletic. Um, you need to be able to get free of a defender. Um, you need a good change of direction. Um, and the bit I was probably weakest on was you need to be able to throw um, pretty well <laughs> or to varying degrees and, and catch as well, of course, is very important. 
what difference did it make for you to be a Christian doing that? What how how was that different to maybe how your peers took their frisbee? What difference did it make to how you dealt with pressure or disappointment? How did your your faith help or challenge or impact the way you were dealing with your sport? Yeah, I guess one like specific memory might encapsulate it a little bit. Um, it was 2014 and we had the Club World Championships in Italy somewhere. Um, and we were we were going to get to the quarterfinals, probably the semifinals. That was the plan. That was like a realistic aim for us. Um, and then all that stood between us and that was um, uh, was one team who we played, a UK team. We played them all the time and we beat them all the time. So we were like, no problem. We ended up losing to that team. Um, and then it, like it just felt like an absolute colossal loss um, for the for the whole club. Um, it was like what we'd be working towards for for years and years. And just like you know, if I stop and think about it, the memory of that game can still still haunt me now. Um, so I was really gutted. I was really really disappointed. Um, but I think like I was able to just keep it in context. Um, whereas for some of um, others that that I knew or who went through that sort of thing it like it really really rocked them and so whilst it you know uh, did deeply affect me um mm. I just knew that my identity I guess and who I am like is so secure in in Christ um and I think I've often thought of it like you know whether I win or lose whether I play well or terribly whether I get picked or I don't get picked um the creator of the universe still loved me so much that he was willing to die for me and that cannot mm. change and that's that's better than anything that sport can can give us anyway um so i think that sort of perspective just took the pressure off or took some of the edge off the disappointment perhaps when things didn't go so well mm. now um I think it's really helpful sort of foundation for us as we continue to chat. You, you've recently written a blog um, it's on the Christian Sport website where you've been really honest about your your struggle with particularly food and eating as you got into the higher levels of Ultimate Frisbee. Um, could you maybe uh, just tell us a little bit about your your story around food and sport? How did it get to a situation where you realised that, that that may have been a problem? Yeah. So as you can see, you know, this stuff I talked about, how I really grasped that sport is worship and identity in Christ is everything. Obviously, I didn't quite... Um, always live that out perfectly um, so as I got to a higher level when I started playing for an elite women's club and then trialing and playing for GB as well um, I started taking my fitness much more seriously and following the programs that they sent me um, but I also wanted my diet to you know match what an elite athlete should be and to best improve mm. my performance that way um, so I made some changes and actually it really worked um, like my performance did really improve and my physique changed and uh, like it went well um, and mm. I enjoyed it um, so I, I can't remember like I can't fix a point at which it became unhealthy mm. um, I think um, you know there are uh, I guess I mentioned you know there's sporting disappointments um, and so like one of them I just mentioned there were other times when um, you know my performance was terrible or I wasn't getting picked and I found that quite hard um then I sort of look I was like well I still got my fitness as long as I work on my fitness and as yeah. long as I, I keep on those things and keep my physique fine and eat the right things then then I'll be okay that's how I'll get back in um and also there were other things in life which I was finding a bit hard I think I probably had some sort of mild depression at the time um yeah. and that all all interplays together um so basically I think I loved the idea of being fit and thin too much um but then I just traveled too far that, down that road where I started being overly restrictive um, about the foods that I was allowed to eat or when I could eat them or if I um, 
had eaten a certain thing, I had to, you know, atone for it. So either by throwing up or going for a run or just over-exercising or not eating um, something at the next mm. meal or, or something like that. I don't know. So that um, led to bulimia. Um, I, I, I just can't remember how long it went Could on you, for. Just to, just to find for us, what do you mean by, by bulimia? Um, so that's a clinically diagnosable eating disorder. Um, and it basically follows a bit of a binge and purge pattern, um, or at least a subjective binge, where you eat more than you should or more than is, is normal or you, you think mm. is normal. And then um, because you actually care a lot about your weight and your health, mm. you feel like you need to, to atone for that. And so you might do that by some sort of purging. So that might be um, throwing up, laxatives, um, running, um, exercise, um, mm. or a variety of of other things um so yeah I guess it took me a while to I had sort of excuses as to why what I was doing wasn't unusual or why it was okay but then eventually I realized you know this is something wrong this is bulimia um, and and I've got to do something about it and uh, maybe just help us if we're listening in and and there's a lot of elite athletes who are listening in nutrition is really important isn't it and and they'll they'll have nutritionists potentially that people who what's kind of the difference you see there between between healthy and unhealthy when it comes to thinking about food uh, do you know what i was thinking about this earlier and it is really hard to know um because mm. it is such a, a fine line um and often when i was out with my teammates it's not like i'd be eating like drastically different things all the time or like i'd be skipping meals it wasn't um mm. that wasn't the case um I think I did, I, I did notice that, you know, they were more relaxed about what they could eat. And I just thought they, <laughs> they didn't care enough. Perhaps that was mm. true for some of them at some points. I don't know. Um, but I, I realized that I was overly strict and there were some things I would never eat, which they, they ate like perfectly happily. Mm. Um, but again, it was a big warning sign that I was throwing up my, my meals. Um, and I guess, or some of them sometimes, um, it became a bit of an obsession in my head as well, what I could mm. eat, when I could eat it. Um, which was again a warning sign that it wasn't a healthy way to live. Yeah. Uh, how, how did it get to a situation then when you you were able to realise it was a problem? Like obviously looking back now, you can identify kind of that wasn't healthy. Um, when did when did you realise how did that come about? Yeah, I, I actually can't really remember. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just helpful that you see that it all can just be a bit of a blur. I remember the Costa I was sitting in and I was on my laptop um, an hour before I was going to go to my training session as I was um, on the NHS website reading about these things. Um, Oh, no, actually, I do know. Um, I went to a church service, not my church, and the talk happened to be on depression. Um, And um, I was thinking, oh, hold on a second. Actually, I tick a lot of those boxes which you're talking about. Um, And then I think probably the very next day I happened to be chatting to my vicar's wife. Um, and she was like, look, how are you? I, she's a doctor. Um, I, I've seen you. and I, I think you might be struggling with a bit of depression. Um, and so at that point, I thought, do you know what? I think you might be right. So I started looking into these things. And then I thought about my eating as well. And I looked up eating disorders. And then it all sort of came to came together and made sense. Mm. Now, um, the Bible, I think it clearly teaches we're, we're embodied people. And you kind of articulated there in terms of stuff going on in terms of d- depression um in, in your mind sort of mental side of life uh, your body sort of outworking some of that in terms of bulimia um what did thinking and dealing with this look like spiritually for you you were you were going to church you were trusting in jesus um how did you kind of think about this when it when it came to thinking about the, the spiritual aspect of what was going on 
Yeah, I think um, what I might say now might sound, well, it might not sound articulate at all, but might sound a lot more articulate than it would have done at the time. It's not like I realised all of these things. It's more perhaps as I've looked back on it um, as well. Um, but I, I've read something which just talked about eating disorders as a sin and purely in, in that way. Um, and I'd also, you know, there's other things which talk about it just being a sickness and nothing to do with sin or anything mm. like that. And I think it was probably reading um, Emma Scrivener's work and people like her. And she's written a couple of really helpful books and resources on eating disorders, which sees it as both. And so there's an interplay of, of both. Um, and so that's why I sought medical help from GP as well as um, biblical counselling or, or just help from my, my church as well. Um, and so from the spiritual side of things, you know, I, I um, see that our bodies are gifts from God and... Mm. Um, we're made in the very image of God. Um, and so we're just of more worth than we could ever believe or, or imagine that like we're of so much value. Um, so, you know, we are to be grateful for the bodies that God has, has given us. Um, and, you know, the physical really matters to, to God. And you can see that through the gospel because Jesus mm -hmm. himself actually became a human being in a physical body. He died and he resurrected in the human body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I saw that our bodies really matter. So that I, I and it's helpful to think it is it is good to care about our bodies. Um, it is good to you know think about what we eat to a certain degree and exercise to to the right amount, etc. So it's good to have that affirmation. Um, but I also had to confront the fact that whilst there was sickness involved as well, there was sin. Um, and so I could see um, the ways in which my heart had you know gone astray. And the Bible talks about idolatry. You know, it says you know have no other gods before before me um whereas I could see that I had made an idol I guess out of my my body and my my fitness so you know something that I'd made um into like an ultimate thing something I'd put above above God and that that's breaking one of the commandments and um whenever we do that it always leads to damaging consequences um, and also I was harming my body and um, there's all mm -hmm. sort of medical things that we can learn about um the negative effects that eating disorders can have on our bodies um and also I read um, a book called Elise, a book by someone called Elise Pitts-Patrick. And um, she mentioned that, um, you know, of all the commands in the Bible, there's like 6,000 commands or something. How many of them are about being thin and looking good? <laughs> like zero, none. And so it just really struck me that that's not a priority for God, for us. And so why is it becoming everything for me? Um, but then... Um, I think probably the things which helped me the most at the time um, was, you know, I, I knew I'd messed up, so I knew I had to come to Jesus. And um, I felt ashamed, but actually realising that he's a God who stands there with open arms, not a pointed mm -hmm. finger. Um, so I didn't need to feel ashamed before him. He just, you know, accepts us and, and loves us. And says, come on, let me help you through it. And like I talked about before, it was knowing my identity in Christ um, and that, you know, I'm so much more than my body. Um, my value is so, so, so much more than that. Um, and whereas with sport and body image or performance or anything else, you know, that goes up and down and up and down. Mm. It's never enough. You never reach the goal that you're looking for. The goalposts always change. Um, and even if you did, it, it doesn't last. You know, it, it won't last forever. Whereas comparing that with the identity that we find in Jesus, you know, that I am so loved that the creator of the universe was willing to die for me. And that cannot change no matter what I do. Um, that is a secure foundation which you know will never ever let you down never let you go and never perish spoil or, or fade so I think it was the biggest thing was just finding my identity in Christ as a child of God 
um, rather than in how I how I look or how I perform or, or what other people think of me or, or things like that. No, thanks. That's I, I think it's really helpful just for, for people listening as they kind of reflect both themselves and then also on uh, maybe friends, family um, in the world of sport who may be maybe struggling in this way or struggling different issues. Um, let, let's chat a bit on that in, in your in your blog, which we'll, we'll reference. People can find it. Uh, you quote some stats which show that eating disorders are, are, are more prevalent in sports people than in wider society, quite quite significantly, actually. Um, why do you think that is? What was the research been done which shows why that is? Um, well, you know, many of us live under some cultural ideals anyway of what um, a body should should look like. And so all of us struggle with that or can struggle with that. Um, but in sport, there's a number of factors which can make it a lot harder. So, you know, as, as we've both said, like if you're playing at a certain level, you are thinking about your, your fitness and um, what you eat in order to maximise your performance. So given that you're already thinking about that um, and given that you really want to improve your performance because you're a sports person, you're already down a road which um, it's easier to keep walking down that road and to take it more and more seriously because it's just always on your mind and you know some mm -hmm. sports people do whatever it takes in order to do um anything to, to help improve their performance um as they think it might and there might be pressure from coaches as well telling you that you mm -hmm. need to to do that and, and change that um so i guess that's in any sport um, you might also have kit which you want to feel comfortable in in the way you look especially if you're going to be on a screen um mm -hmm. or with lots of people watching you um, but there are certain risk sports like aesthetic sports, so where you um, are actually partly judged by how you look, um, mm. sports where you need to make weight, um, like boxing or something like that, or sports where um, it is believed that a lower body weight will increase your performance, like, like running mm. or, or swimming or those sorts of sports. Um, so, yeah, all those combined together, actually, in a way, no surprise, really, that um, we are more susceptible to eating disorders as sports mm. people. No, which is, I think, just helpful in some ways just to be aware of as a, as a factor, isn't it? Um, mm. Now, as, as, as we talked about, and you kind of reflect on your own story, it'll be really clear that when medical help is needed, then athletes do need to seek that professionally. Uh, and hopefully, most places around the world will be an option to do that, whether that's through, through counseling, through seeing the right doctors, um, getting the right medication in certain places. But uh, for some listening in, I'm, I'm sure they, they may be involved in the lives of sports, maybe they are coaches themselves. Um, maybe they are just walking alongside others in their team and they can sense that maybe in some of those risk sports, then kind of senses some friends of theirs who, who may struggle in this area or they themselves struggle in this area. Um, but particularly those who are kind of looking in and they, they think they may want to have that question and go, how are you doing? A bit like your pastor's wife did. Um, it, how can they help them sort of think about this um, clearly uh, and point them to Jesus in it? I think one thing to do is to be a bit informed, at least, um, and so to know what some of the issues are with eating disorders and the signs to look out for and, and the risk factors as well. Um, and then I think it might be, you know, get, getting alongside them, being their friend, um, gently asking them um, some questions. So rather than pointing things out necessarily or pointing the finger in mm. any way, just asking them questions about the, their relationship with their food and, and their body. Um, mm. And as things come out, I think it's a lot of listening to them. Don't just assume um, that we know their stories and why they're why they're doing this. Um, try and uncover like what, what's behind it. Um, what, where are my struggles? Where is my heart? Um, mm. Looking for things. Um, and then I, I just think reminding or showing us uh, people that their worth is in is in Christ, is in so much more than their their bodies or their performance or um, 
there's all sorts of factors which can lead to eating disorders you know it's not just mm. because I want to look a certain way necessarily mm. it's not just because I want to perform well in my sport it might be a, um, a means of escapism or control because the rest of life seemed crazy you know so it's just trying to understand a bit about why that might be from that person mm. um, and then just trying to speak the gospel into that that can be hard to do but just a lot of listening a lot of speaking of Christ showing us our true worth um, and and I think just being willing to walk alongside them for the length of this journey which could be a long one offer to be account to be accountable for them um offer to be an encouragement offer you know if you can um go and get help to go go with them and just yeah be alongside them in that i think no re really really helpful um just as we land as we close um is there anything particularly um we're, we're christians we follow jesus we look at jesus um is, is there anything when we look at the life of jesus where we can be encouraged or challenged in this area yeah i'm um really fascinated as i look at descriptions of the physical appearance of, of jesus um so we're not told loads about it but we're told in isaiah 53 um that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him <laughs> so obviously jesus attracted you know loads of people and billions of followers still today but it wasn't anything to do with his appearance there was nothing it says that we should no beauty that we should desire him mm. um so again if you know we think about our own appearances that you know we're not that great or whatever we're in good company with with jesus um but then it goes even further to talk about actually when he was on the cross it says um you know he was like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Um, and I was just reading a book by Sam Albury the other day and he talked about those verses and said, you know, Jesus knows what it is to experience body shame. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that people looked at him and they, they couldn't look at him. They wanted to turn um, their faces away from him. Um, and so, you know, we can have a bit of solidarity with, with Jesus there that he, if we're experiencing body shame, that Jesus actually understands what we're going through. Um, mm. But even more than that, that that experience for Jesus on the cross is what shape, is what saves us from our own body shame. So, you know, Jesus becomes ugly in the deepest sense of the word so that mm. we can become beautiful in the most mm. important way, right? Um, unblemished before God. Um, and he died you know all of the sins of the way that we have you know committed idolatry cared about our bodies more than him harmed our bodies all of our sins so that we can be free from those things and so that we can have this incredible secure identity we've been talking about as a child of, of god in christ thanks to rosie for sharing that uh, and thank you for listening you can read rosie's blog on eating disorders by clicking the link in the description below and if you're new to Christians in Sport, then get connected with us by heading to christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash connect, where you can find out about the networks we run for sports people across the UK. That's christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash connect. Don't forget to leave a rating or review on the podcast platform you're using. It really helps more people find out about the podcast. And feel free to contact us on social media if you have any questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. That's it from us today. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.